Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Beautiful rainy morning out there. Still kind of dark. Looks like the rain's still falling. Maybe not for the whole day, but uh, it is starting to feel like the Christmas holiday season here with little rain. And, you know, this is something that's not historically unusual this time of year. But the fact that it's coming from the south is a little different. It's a pretty nice warm rain, and uh, perhaps we'll get a little snow up in the hills. But uh, moisture is always a great thing. Anyway, welcome to the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, why to grow it, um, you know, what you can grow to eat. There's all different kinds of fun produce to be grown here. Uh, it's the beginning of our citrus season here in the valley. Things are starting to ripen. If you happen to uh, have an Algerian or Fairchild tangerine home, those are ripe already. The I'm sure you know if you have those. And, and the Meyer lemons are pretty much getting to be at their peak. And Lisbon lemon season's coming along. And, you know, we're all kind of holding our breath, waiting for those navels to get really good. But that won't be too long either. Anyway, a beautiful morning out there. Kind of dark this morning with all those nice clouds and that light rain. And um, give us a call. We can go anywhere you want to with the program. We can talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilizer, kill, everything from... You know, Christmas trees and poinsettias this time of year to, uh, you know, a great time to plant rose bushes. Or maybe if you wanted to plant some big, hardy, evergreen trees, be a perfect time to do so. And uh, if you're going to get your spring vegetables going, you can start tilling the soil, get ready for that. And there's still, uh, you know, things that we can plant right now, like the lettuce and greens and broccoli and cabbage and cauliflower, all those kind of fun things uh, can do really well this time of year. We can talk about uh, the weather. And there's nothing quite like the weather today. I mean, here in the here in the desert, we kind of worship the rain, and uh, we can certainly use all we can all we can get. And this nice slow rain is going to bring on the most wonderful crop of desert wildflowers. So, if you haven't planted your poppies, or if you want to grow some, you know, desert like African daisies, uh, find some seed today, throw it on the ground. And uh, the moisture's there. Two, three more rains like this, and we'll have a beautiful bloom this spring. And I'm just uh, pretty certain that places like Picacho Peak this year uh, are going to be very special. Uh, we've had enough rainfall this fall to get things started. And now that we've got some rain today, this is just kicking it right through the season. So this followed by two or three more rains will have some of the most beautiful desert wildflowers ever. Anyway, give us a call. You leave the direction. We have the lovely Sherry here on phones and music. You can give her a call at 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTAR. And once more, we could talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilize, or kill. If you have something different you're doing at home, a different style, a different kind of plant. If you have a cure for our ailments, if we, you know, we all have problems growing things. And uh, we would love to hear your suggestions and ideas as well. You know, as a team, we share thoughts and ideas and uh, makes us all a lot more successful. Anyway, take our first caller this morning, Randy and Tip B. If you'd like to be up after Randy, the number 602-277-5827. Good morning, Randy. Hey, Brian. I have two ficus trees, one on the north side and one on the south side. They're in those half whiskey barrel pots. Okay. I water them as they dry. I feed them 
you know, as they need to be fed, and they just don't grow. They stay the same size year after year after year. They get well, good sun. Is staying the same size a good thing or bad thing, Randy? Well, I'd like to have them grow a little bit bigger, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, being containerized, they're pretty limited. They can't get out and get their roots in the ground and grab anything extra. So, um, you know, they're only going to get what you give them. But uh, so that being said, you know, if you want them to grow more, I would use more fertilizer. And if you want something that's easy to use in containers like that, I would use some Osmocote. And uh, get the phones. And the Osmocote uh, is nice because what it does is a slow release, and it, it'll constantly be feeding them. Now, ficus will grow in the shade or the sun, so the location's not going to make that much difference. And ficus, when they're in containers, are very drought tolerant. So I would give them a little extra water and feed them more. Now, it's not going to change this time of year. Ficus are more tropical, so there's no reason to feed them until the 1st of March. But if you feed them the 1st of March, a little extra water, they'll grow a little bit. And it doesn't matter if they're the Nitida or the Benjamina, right? No, or, there's lots of varieties of ficus. Those are the two most common ones here, but the Benjaminas and Nitidas are both common. And, you know, there's another dozen varieties that we grow here in the valley. But uh, All right, to Home Depot I go. <laughs> well, you can go there. You come by Whitfields. You know, we wouldn't have this program on the air if it weren't for Whitfield Nursery. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't have said that. But if, if you are you open today? You're close to the one in Gilbert Forest. We'll no. go over there. We like to go to that. We're one. We're, we're open from uh, ten till probably six thirty with a Christmas tree today. All right, deal. Thanks, Thanks Randy. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Diana in, in uh, Golden Valley. Diana, where's Golden Valley? Well, it's really close to Kingman. I'm about ten minutes from Kingman, and I'm sure you know where that is. I'm off Route sixty six. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I do. Actually, uh, you know, my family's lived in fine little towns like Boreana and Chloride and all kinds of places up there. But I just wasn't familiar with Golden Valley. Yes. Um, Well, I have a question for you today about a potted Madagascar palm. I I bought it this past summer um, at uh, Cactus Joe's Nursery in Las Vegas. And I love this palm. It's doing very well in the pot. It's in an open carport, so um, it's exposed to the elements, but there is a roof over the carport. And I did cover, it's in a beautiful big uh, clay pot, and I covered the pot recently with uh, some burlap, you know, to protect it. We had a couple of nights, it got really cold. Mm -hmm. But my question is, um, is it going to drop its leaves throughout the winter, and should I water it at all in the next couple of months, or just leave it alone in its burlap? Well, well, no, norm, normally it should it should drop its leaves in the wintertime, and that's going to depend kind of on the light. You know, if it was in the area where it had pretty bright light and, and warmer temperatures, it might not. But dropping its leaves and going, you know, dormant is kind of good. It's not really a bad thing for the plant at all. But they are very frost tender. And, and very frost tender means if it gets much below 32, you know, if you get to 28, you'll have damage. And if you get to 25, it'll kill it. So, you know, that being said, you're going to really want to protect it, but probably not keep it wrapped all the time. So you say it's an exterior courtyard it's in, but it has a roof over it. And uh, what you might want to do is is just put a structure in it that you can use for for cold nights and just like four posts in there where you could just drape a piece of frost cloth over it and put a light bulb in it. And that's going to give it, you know, 15 degrees of protection. So that'll give you a whole lot of protection and just be mindful of, of that condition. Or you could set up the situation like that if you're going to be gone for a while and you could put it on a thermostat where the light would kick on with a thermostat. 
and uh, and that would control your heat for it. And what about water throughout the winter? Should I just stop all water or well, should I still water not, it? Not completely, but just about. You know, I, I would say probably on average watered probably once a month. You know, even in a fairly light potting soil. So it doesn't want to be just bone dry the whole winter, but it's not going to need very much. It's not going to use much. As soon as the leaves fall, you know, its water usage is just just about over. Okay, so basically uh, water just once in December, a really good watering all the way through. Yeah, just water right through the pot once in December, once in January. And then, you know, February will come and it'll start to warm up. The days will get longer. Okay. So far in Golden Valley, we haven't had any dustings of snow, and it hasn't dropped below 39 degrees. Well, we've been colder than that in a lot of the valley here in Phoenix. Yeah. You know, we've we've been in the low 30s here already. But um, Inside the carport, it is up on cement, mm -hmm. um, on, on a base and then the clay pot. And then, but it is one part of the carport is open, so you know it's it's feeling the elements, but it does have a roof over it. Yeah, so, and, that, and that's all um, good. It is, and it's best just you know left you know be to be like that. But in the event you're going to get cold, you know, <laughs> it's going to yeah. want some protection. Yeah. Well, listen. Thank you so much for your advice. I love my Madagascar palm. I don't want it to die. <laughs> well, they're 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 a pretty wonderful plant. They're they're one of my personal favorites as well. Thanks for the call, Diane. Bye-bye. Okay, bye bye. Uh, Pauline and Casa Grand. Good morning, Pauline. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Wonderful. <laughs> oh, good. Um, I appreciate your show. My question today is: I've had a couple of Meyer lemon um, plants that I've had in the pots for about two years. And I finally settled in Casa Grande, so I decided to go ahead and put them in the ground. They're only about uh, three feet high, you know, still babies. Um, I would say the post or the stem um, is maybe an inch in diameter, not too big. So I'm just kind of curious how I can keep them for the winter. <laughs> well, Meyer lemons are pretty hardy. They're more frost hardy than many other varieties of citrus. And ideally, okay. you, can, you can plant them outside. If we are going to have right. a hard freeze, you'd want to cover them. Kind of like we talked about the Madagascar palm, some stakes and a piece of frost cloth would be the best for protection. But compared to other citrus, Meyer lemons, especially lemons and limes, Meyer lemons are more frost hardy. So they really won't be damaged unless you have temperature down below 25. And, you know, okay. we, we might this winter. You just never know. It's pretty nice we're having some rain right now. But uh, just be mindful of the cold. Plant them out where they have plenty of sun. Uh, they're not going to grow much this winter. If you want to keep them, if it's easier to keep them in pots on the carpet, for you, just keep them underneath a, a patio or carport, and then plant them in the spring. You won't have to probably worry about covering them then at all. And they're not going to grow any between now and March. They're going to really start to grow like mid February, first of March. Okay. Okay. I already planted them. Well, yeah, fine, I already then. planted them, and I was thinking about that. So um, I can I can take care of the frost part. Mm-hmm. Um, what about watering? Do you know, I mean because I know it's been a lot more wet this season than past. So well, you should um, probably I water them in the average soil, Pauline, about once a week, and and, and deep okay. water them. Okay, and you don't want to probably water them any more than that. And if you find that at the end of a week the ground's staying wet in the potting soil that they were originally in, then you could space that mm-hmm. watering out a little further. Okay, and do what's the depth and how you do with the stick to see how 
what the ground is, like a foot well, down? Or you can two. use a moisture meter, but what's going to matter to that little tree is where the, the roots are of the tree. So chances are most of those roots are less than a foot deep. And so it's that surface okay. area that's going to matter the most. So when you water, if you deep water, but then, you know, just come back and check your soil. If it gets dry around the tree, you know, sooner than two weeks, you know, water it once a week. But once every week or two should be fine for your water. Pauline, thanks for the call. We're going to take a short break. And while we're gone, we do have two lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. I love your peppermint lips. When I see pink champagne. I like to chase you around the tree. Like I'm a choo-choo train. A smile when I think about the holidays together. And I smile when I think about you in that Christmas sweater. When I get you ho-ho. Available number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Let's see. Next up, we have uh, Maggie in Sun City. Good morning, Maggie. Good morning. I have a, a question for you that I know there's no answer to, I don't think, anyway. <laughs> but we, we bought these huge, beautiful poinsettia plants from Costco. And do we... Just throw them away, or or can we plant them and see them next year? Well, you can plant them and see them next year as long as they don't freeze and as long as the white flies don't eat them. As long as what? The white flies don't eat them. Um, Oh, okay. Poinsettias used to be pretty common here as a plant outdoors. When I was young, our neighbors at the end of the street had a beautiful hedge out of poinsettias. But that succumbed one winter to the freeze. And most of the poinsettias here in the last 30 years have succumbed to the white flies. And white flies are a little insect that uh, was very prevalent here on cotton, especially in the 80s and 90s. That loves poinsettias. But there's not as many white flies now, and you might have a chance. They they won't (laughs) bloom again at Christmas time. They'll bloom again in January. Okay. So... um it'd be worth the effort to put them in the ground and what's the best way then of planting well, them Well, if you in put the them in the ground, they'll sun? probably freeze. They'll freeze. Oh. Yeah, mm. okay, because they're very frost tender too. So it'd be easier to maintain them if you put them in a larger pot and put them on a patio. They would probably prefer a southern exposure, okay? Or if you okay. put them in the ground, be prepared to cover and protect them if it gets cold. And, uh, okay. and away you go. All right. So just enjoy them right now while they're so beautiful. And, well, that's and the easiest hope, thing. Hope but you know what? You can play with them, and there are certainly uh, plenty of them that can be carried through the season. So if you want to play with them, give them plenty of light, uh, protect them from the cold, and be mindful of white flies. Okay, very good. Well, thank you. Thank you, Maggie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Chris and Glendale. Hello, Chris. Hi, Brian. Uh, since we've got a lot of rain this morning, I've got a question about um, pre-emergent and um, whether it's worth it to put it down, even though I don't have any weeds coming up right now. Um, story is, we had trouble with cow cockle 
Mm-hmm. It's that baby's breath, like real fine stuff that comes up about 12, 15 inches. And um, you had recommended putting down pendimethalin granules before we left town in June. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully the monsoon rains would have watered it in and, you know, taken care of it. It didn't. Come August, the end of August, there was so much of it in the backyard again. Um, So we've got a big bag of this stuff that we, you know, use part of. And I was wondering, is it worth it to... Like well, now, 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 now is a good even time. though I now, don't have any. Well, now seeds. is a good time to put down a pre-emergent. You know, really would probably go to January, but you could put it down now if nothing's germinated, and uh-huh. uh, and and get some pretty decent control. And pendimethalin's pretty broad spectrum, so it works on a lot of things. Yeah, um, but ideally, you would have put it down before it rained. Uh, hopefully, it's going to get enough rain on top of it to activate it now. Uh-huh. Um, because it's does uh, it build up over time? Is that no, what you're trying doesn't. to do? Is no, it doesn't. Uh, basically, okay. it's you know it's just a thin barrier. Okay, and mm-hmm. so when you put down a pre-emergence, a thin barrier, and most of them will last anywhere from from three to six months. Okay, uh-huh. and then after that, weeds can come back through it again. Or yeah. if you penetrate it, so if you're out walking around or raking it, you know something to break mm-hmm. the barrier, then it's yeah. not going to be effective anymore. Okay. What do you think caused the cow cockle to come up through it? Well, it didn't probably get activated. Okay. You know, it, it probably was germinated before. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, if you're going to put it down, you want to put it down and water it in. Okay. okay. It takes about a half inch of water to activate it. And uh-huh. so if, if it's not doesn't have the water on top, it's a waste. Okay. And, and so, really so probably we it. put it on, and then when the rain came, it activated it, but already the seeds were sprouting, maybe. Well, the problem is, yeah, you're talking about two months later when it rained. Yeah. You know, so if, if you were going to put it on, you know, for the season, you'd want to put it on and water it Okay. Okay? So it's it, it's worth it to maybe put it down in January and, and yeah, then again in June. Yeah, be very, very useful, you know. And, and yeah. you know, usually if you use them one or two courses, then you usually don't have this, the new seed beads, you know, mm-hmm. set from the new plants. And so then it kind of it works and you don't have to use it so much. But, you know, mm-hmm. when you go to the desert, it's got like a natural varnish where it works almost like a natural pre-emergent. And you'll notice that tumbleweeds only grow where somebody dries or breaks the soil. They, they don't grow and germinate through the desert varnish. So. Okay. You know, it's just okay. We'll thing. give it a try again. I'll tell you, coming back in September, we had a mess on our hands. <laughs> well, what you should do is you should, before you leave, you should put it down, but you have to water it. In. Yeah, yeah, okay. just water it in instead of waiting for the monsoon to take mm-hmm. care of it. Well, thank you, Chris. Have a nice day. Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye bye. Well, let's see. Next up, we have Barney in Phoenix. Hello, Barney. Yeah, yesterday the storm started out cold. It was uh, 55 degrees at 1 p.m. yesterday. And uh, when the rain started, it was 10 degrees below normal. And now it's a warm storm. But I called the National Weather Service because uh, my apartment, the heat isn't so great. And uh, November had the second coldest average low at Sky Harbor in history, 49 degrees. I can't figure out why we're having this winter weather so early. But what I've called about is uh, the TV news is saying Scottsdale is going to stop water deliveries to Rio Verde community, that rich community of spread out houses north of Scottsdale, January 1st. And it doesn't seem fair to me that the golf courses like Greyhawk and Troon up there, which I haven't been there, but 
why do they get all the water they want when these people, they have underground cisterns, the tanks, that, but the water deliveries are going to stop. And Scottsdale, they shouldn't allow these golf courses to reseed the uh, fairways, I don't think. Well, there's there's a lot of concern, you know, Barney, in all different ways that we use our water here. And what's what's really the most fortunate thing is we have some more coming in. But the city of Scottsdale and SRP and Phoenix, I mean, these people are very, very good and reliable at managing water and irrigation. And you know, when we yeah, buy but you homes, can spend a half a million dollars on a house and then you've got no water. And these, some of these people are going to have to leave their houses. And well, that ain't right. They, but they can haul water in. And, it's, and it's man cool. versus man. It's a water <laughs> war. And sooner or later, it will affect your family's business. Thank you. Well, you know, water water always affects all of our lives here. And it's it's the, cre- the key part to life in the desert. And um, I, I think that uh, we've done here in the state of Arizona overall a wonderful job of managing water. And uh, it's going to have to be updated. There's going to have to be restrictions put it's some of the areas where you can just drill wells now, but that's been done. We have active AMAs that the management areas that manage water have done quite well. And uh, but it's up to all of us not to waste it to use it wisely. And uh, when we go out and develop areas though that don't have any water, we, the option is to haul water in. If we want to live there in the areas that don't have water, we're going to have to haul water in. And you know, in the wider water rights and things are are. Fairly well managed in this state compared to any place else on the planet. And uh, we're, we're lucky to be here. And we're lucky that we've had people with the insight in the past. And it's going to be up to some people to develop some other sites and plans in the future to make things work well. Well, we have wide open phones, but it's also just about time for the news. I see Troy sneaking in here. And we've got Troy and Shira here. A beautiful uh Sunday morning. It's still some light rain out there and just uh, qu- quite a day. Uh, during the break, if you'd like to give us a call, the number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. And you can be right up after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Welcome back, folks. Beautiful morning out there, and it feels kind of like Christmas weather. Anyway, we've got a couple lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Paul and Scottsdale, good morning. Good morning, Brian, and Merry Christmas. To you as well, Paul. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, we live in uh, North Scottsdale and uh, uh, about 3,000 feet elevation and have a uh, pyrocantha that uh, it, it serves as kind of a vertical hedge next to a pillar, and and uh, it just all of a sudden died. And uh, um, uh, uh, I think there was some water issues, but I, I corrected it, and but it just continued to uh, to die. Two, two other ones that have stayed per- perfectly healthy. Uh, just a question: is is there a problem with the elevation with pyrocantha? And the second one is. 
when would be a good time to replant and put another one in? Well, you can plant them right now because they're very beautiful this time of year with their berries. And as far as elevation, no, most pyracanthas will take quite cold weather. And there are cultivars that will grow up to seven or 8,000 feet. So, uh, you know, you're in great, you know, prime country for pyracantha. They're not frost tender and should be fairly hardy. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Pauline in Casa Grande. But after Pauline, we've got wide open phones. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Pauline. Hi, Brian. Sorry, I forgot to ask you. Um, we're doing the winter rye. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new build with a blank canvas in the backyard. So how, I forgot to ask you, how late can I um, start with the winter rye? Because I've already, you know, have some grass um, done a few weeks ago or month, uh, about a month ago. So my sprouts have already come up and so on. Um, but when I start that and the winter rye and I get that going, when do I convert back over to the Bermuda? Are you sure, Pauline, you don't want to just put in some sod that's overseeded? <laughs> Is that easier? It's a lot. Well, it's yeah, it's a little more expensive. It's a lot easier, and it's a lot more reliable. And then you won't have okay. to replant. So if you buy sod this time of year, and you know there's sod farms that are growing sod commercially right there just around Casa Grande. But if you put in sod okay. this time of year, it's going to be overseeded with rye. So it'll lay out like carpet. It'll be beautiful for the holidays. Okay. And it just, okay. it'll go in and be amazing. And then, you know, okay. you'll have that nice lawn to, to look forward to in the spring. What you do want to do if you put new sod in, though, is you want to uh, kill the rye grass off in April. But uh, that way you can bring in your Bermuda grass happier and healthier. So I, I would just put out brand new sod. You could have new sod down now. You can, uh, you know, have a beautiful lawn in a week. Okay. And do you have any um, preference on what farm to contact for that? Well, I, that I don't, I'm new to that area. Yeah. So I, I would just look up the sod farm. I'm not, I have friends that have different ones. So I'm not going to recommend one okay. or another. Okay. But um, okay. the variety okay. of sod you put in, how much traffic are you going to have? Um, not, not much. Okay, yeah. A couple so, of dogs. <laughs> okay. Well, if they're big dogs, you know, you might want to use a heavier duty sod. If they're small dogs, probably not so important, but, uh, there's, yeah, there's, easy, there's easy, to, you know, like easy turf and, uh, is a very good one or mid irons a good one. Those would be good sods you could put in this time of mid-iron. year. Yeah. Okay. Easy, easy to care okay. For. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Pauline. Okay. Have a nice holiday. Thank you. You Bye-bye. too. Bye-bye. Okay, that leaves us with wide open phones. We have Shira back here smiling on the phones and the music, but the phones have to ring first. Give us a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow at this beautiful rain. Um, doesn't get any prettier than this. And, and all the things that are going to grow because of it. I mean, this is the perfect time for all the wildflowers and things to germinate. So if you like poppies, you can actually go get some seed and throw it out right now and uh, seed some poppies today if you wanted to or some of the uh, oh like the African daisies those kind of things those will all germinate with this rain this time of year this weather and uh, we'll have a beautiful spring with lots of color and especially in places like you know we just had the calls down there in Casa Grande Picacho Peaks one of my favorite places in the state to see flowers but there'll be lots of flowers and lots of valleys and uh 
Play at your own if you like. Well, phone lines are still wide open. Number to call, 602-277-5827. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, what to plant, why to plant it. If you're doing something different at home, if you have a different style or plants that you're growing, we'd love to hear from you. We're, we're all here to kind of learn together. And we could talk a little about Christmas trees because, yeah, it's December. It's Christmas tree time in the city. You know, in Whitfields, we have an awful lot of fun with Christmas trees. Um, you know, we first uh, started selling Christmas trees uh the very first year we did Christmas trees, my, my son Dustin was born. And uh, that was, you know, 30-some years ago now. And so that was our first year that we actually sold them. Prior to that, we used to get them from the Mitchells. And the Mitchells family has been in the Christmas tree business here in the Valley since the 50s. And Jane and the group are, have always been good friends. But then, then we have the twins that were born on December 3rd. So, you know, yesterday was our twins' birthday. And uh, John and Julia... And it, it was quite a Christmas that year. We had a little Lukey running around who was four years old. And then our twins, John and Julia, were born. And uh, that's when I learned that uh, women are, are truly the, the amazing part of life that, that people should always respect and adore. You know, we had those twins. Uh, of course, my wife got a little big. You know, when, when you have two five-and-a-half-pound babies, they were a month early. But uh, when we had those twins, you know, I learned this immense respect for women. You know, she was able, I said, you know, we could get my mom to help or your mom to help. It's Christmas tree season. I need to be out there with the Christmas tree guys. You know, what can we do to help back and forth? But, you know, as soon as those babies came home from the hospital, little John and Julia, um, she had the ability and the talent and the love to care for them and uh, almost unassisted. You know, I, I would help feed at night, but that was it. And she was on her own pretty much. And, you know, amazing thing that women are, you know, we, we look at, uh, you know, if we're Christian, we look at, you know, Mary, Jesus's mother, but we look at our mothers and we look at what women do. And uh, they are certainly something to be respected, loved and enjoyed. But, uh, our, we men can't hold a candle to them. We just don't have a chance. You know, there's uh, there's something about a mother's love and a mother, and there's something about uh, the talent that women have and their intestinal fortitude that they have. That, uh, oh, we men, we get on football fields and we crack heads and tackle each other and do all kinds of mean things. But you know what? When it comes to somebody who can really persevere and, and, and do it really hold up the planet, it's women. Anyway, three lines still open. The number to call, 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Larry and Goodyear. Good morning, Larry. Morning. Yes, sir. I had a question. I had a question about planting a Peruvian pear cactus. Is uh-huh. this the right time of year to do that? Well, you can. Um, you know, they're they're pretty hardy. Unless we're going to have a really hard freeze, it's not going to hurt them. And you know, typically, what we would historically do for cactus here would put a styrofoam cup over the top of it if it. If it's going to freeze, and that usually gives them enough protection, and uh, just make sure you give it room and enjoy them. They're you know they're, they're fun to grow here. They grow very well here, and uh, you can plant them anytime. But do if if you're going to plant one, just keep a styrofoam cup handy. You can put it over the top, and you'll be fine. All right, and what about trimming a ficus tree? Well, this is probably not the best time. You know, we really haven't had a. Uh, 
to freeze Larry in several years. But, you know, we had the caller earlier who was reminding us that, you know, we, we're, we're kind of to more normal weather. I mean, the temperatures we've had, you know, this year in November are really quite normal. And the temperature we have right now is, you know, pretty average. But it's normal for it to freeze as well. So the norm here in the Valley historically has been we're going to have frost somewhere between about the 15th or 18th of December till the second week of January. And that's, you know, historically just kind of what happens in those days we're going to have some frost in there. So that being said, we really don't want to trune the ficus until they're going to grow again, which would be the 1st of March. All right. Thank you for your time and enjoy your show and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Larry. Thanks for being part of our program. Uh, Brian down in Florence. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. Um, I've got a question about a moringa tree. Um, I, this moringa tree was grown from a seed, and it's about 12 feet tall. Um, I'm wondering if I can top this. What, what happened last winter, it, it just about died, and uh, it got frozen. Uh-huh. And, um, and now i got four trunks coming out of the ground, and they're each about one inch thick. And um, I've got it supported, but it's 12 feet tall. Should I top this off? Well, that or Mother Nature might catch it for you here in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, down in Florence, some areas are pretty cold, chilly, you know, and moringas are very frost tender. So, you know, you, you could prune it back now or you could prune it back after it freezes or you could cover it and not have it freeze. But, you know, they're really grown more as a bush. I mean, they're not going to be a, a substantial tree that we're going to grow here, you know, for a shade tree in the valley. I mean, they're just it's too cold. It's just not going to happen. I mean, there's they're going to get some size to them, but then they're going to freeze back in some winters as well. I'm growing it just for the the leaves and uh, to get the powder from the leaves. Well, and and they're really fun to grow, you know. So yeah, I mean that part's that that part's really good, you know. And it, it's a fun plant to grow at home, but uh, you know you can either prune it back now or you can let it freeze or you can protect it from the frost. It, it's up to you. Okay, I was just wanted to top this off because it's so tall. It's not going to hurt the tree at all to top it, especially if you're trying to get the fruit off it and things. It, it's going to be easier, right. you know, with a smaller. And if you keep it pruned back and smaller, it'll probably be more useful for you. Okay. I have one other question about a um, uh, Italian cypress. What is the best uh, fertilizer for these? Um, Italian cypress actually like organic nitrogen, so the very, very best would probably be blood meal. But uh, the main thing when you're growing cypress here, they'll, they'll, you can use any commercial fertilizer. It'll be fine. You could use like a citrus food. You know, you could use if you were organic, you could throw in some... Uh, you know, some chicken manure or something like that would be fine, too. All those will work fine. Um, uh, but the key with growing cypress here really is to make sure they have airflow. Don't plant them too close together and to watch the spider mites on them. Hose them off. Right. Well, well these are all scattered far away from each other. Well, that's a good um, thing. Down the, down the driveway. And, and four out of eight of them are growing crazy. In one year, they've doubled their size. So... Um, they're, they're doing well. I just wanted to know when I fertilize them, what to use. Thank you so much. Thank I, you, Brian. You know, I love you so. Well, have a nice weekend. Show. Thanks for being part of it. Bye-bye. And have a great New Year. You too. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Katie and Sandra, and then it could be you. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. People smile and tell me I'm a lucky one. 
friends and family, but we'll take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees, all kinds, all sizes. We have since the 40s and continue on now for four generations. If you're looking for a perfect gift for the holidays, we've got beautiful citrus trees that we can deliver and plant. We've got all kinds of palm trees, tropical trees, and, you know, pretty much anything from a 15-gallon tree to a a 40-foot palm tree. And if you're looking for a job, you know, plants for your commercial projects. We grow hundreds of acres of trees right here in Arizona. But this is also the holiday season. So if you're looking for that perfect Christmas tree, come out and see us at Whitfields. We have beautiful, uh, we have noble firs, Fraser firs. We have some Nordmans, which is also like a Turkish fir uh, that are all in today, mostly from the Pacific Northwest. They came from uh, our friends, the Murphys and the Hunters. And, and Wayne Bambi got us a few silver tips off the mountain in Northern California. And then we worked with the uh, the, the White River uh, Apache tribe, helped us through the veterans uh, get some natural trees that came up off of the tribal lands up there. And uh, through J- Big John and, and some of our friends up there, the natives, uh, it's been a wonderful thing. Jonathan up with the tribe was very helpful for us. And uh, so it's a veterans group that we're doing this together with. So we have some nice kind of, you know, really neat big trees from the off, off the hill that are kind of pretty. But whatever your dream is for that perfect Christmas tree, come out and see us. Uh, we pride ourselves in having the finest round and uh, and fresh and some varieties like the grand furs and the and the Douglas firs, we won't have till next weekend. They're going to be coming from Washington and Oregon, but they won't be cut until Monday. But other varieties, we have beautiful trees today. We're open uh, this evening until 7 at our lots. And our original uh, store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. The East Valley, we're at uh, Stapley, which is the same as Cooper and Guadalupe, or 264070 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And you can see us on Bell Road at 64th Street. Um, we have a beautiful big lot there with lots of trees. Woodfield Nursery for four generations growing trees here for Arizona's future. Uh, next up, we've got Katie in Scottsdale. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Um, I have a question about my rose bushes. I have two on the east side of the house. They've been in about a year. Should I be doing anything now? When I, should I do something? They've never looked that great. Um, well, what have so you done? Kind of want- They've been in for a couple of years. So that, have they grown much? Yeah. Or? Yeah, it's just been about a year, and okay. they have grown much. But it just seems like, uh, I'm not going to say this right, but we've got the main part, and then it's got maybe four or five branches coming out, but mm-hmm. not all the branches are producing, and one died, but then the one on the other side is producing. You know, it's just, uh, they 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 have um, gotten some nice roses. They don't last very long, but... 
um, well, that's kind of the nature of hybrid tea roses, Katie. You know, and here in the desert, they're grown by the millions because we don't have the mildew problems and other problems. But if you want to manage them to have nice blooms, if you'd like to have some, you know, better blooms for the holiday season, you know, Christmas and New Year's, um, if you want to prune them back moderately right now and feed them with a foliar fertilizer like Super Bloom or you could use Miracle Grow or like a Peter's 2020, you can get new blooms that will come back out. And they'll bloom really nicely mm-hmm. here, you know, this time of year. Um, you could also kind of do a, like a preemptive pruning. If you wanted to prune them now, just prune them back by about a third and fertilize them. Now, okay. that's going to forego any kind of a bloom for the holiday season. So it wouldn't be until the middle of January they'll come back and bloom again. But they will, and then yeah, you'll have fun. them set up for beautiful blooms in the spring. Okay, so the pruning, walk me through pruning. Well, pruning roses, you take your hand and you turn it upside down and spread out your fingers. Okay, roses are, the hybrid teas are grafted. So they're going to have a graft down in the bottom and they're going to have branches that come out. And so you want to kind of form them that way and leave five, you know, usually five main trunks that come out above the the graft. And if you want to prune them back for the, the spring season and kind of foregoing the winter, you can prune them back to where each one of the canes are like the you know, the ones that come out where your fingers are spread out are going to be right. about twice as long as your fingers. So you can prune them way back and fertilize them, and they'll come right back out. Oh, wow. Okay. And what should I be watering them right now, and then what in the spring? Well, where do you live, Katie? What cross streets? Um, about 104th and Cactus. Okay. So you have pretty good soil in there. So realistically, you know, weekly watering is plenty and no more than that. And you, when you water them, you want to water to where the water is going to go down to about 18 inches deep or so. And if you okay. find that your ground's staying wet, you, you can probably water them once every two weeks. So just you're going to have to check okay. your soil and your drainage, but somewhere between once a week and once every two weeks. Okay, and then in the when the weather's warmer. Well, in the summertime, typically you know roses that are established and soil like yours should be watered weekly. Weekly, great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, I Katie. appreciate it. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Sandra the Santan Foothills. But after Sandra, we've got wide open phones. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Brian. I have another moringa tree question. I have a couple of trees that are... Well, they're really tall, but they're tending to want to, their their leaves are turning yellow. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, do they lose their leaves or do they have a problem? Well, you know, moringas have been very successful here the last three or four years because we have handy frost. You know, it's Uh a fun, fast plant to grow, but it's not like a plant we're going to, you know, count on being like a live oak or an ash tree or something for some big permanent type of tree. Okay, right. so it's going to lose its foliage in, 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 when it gets cold, and then it'll pop back out. And they, they, they really kind of love the heat, so they're they're fine to grow here and fun to grow here when it's warm. So, but uh, for this, you know, this time of year, you pretty much just let them go dormant. Okay, so they do kind of drop their leaves. They will, and especially the if we have any back. kind of frost. Uh huh. Okay, and then I have about. 10 month or to a year old uh, ash tree and red push pistache. They haven't started losing or changing colors yet. Is that normal? 
Well, they don't always change colors. Okay, so ashes and pistachio trees will change colors depending on, you know, what the weather does and where your neighborhood is. But if you're in the foothills, when you're up on the side of the mountain over there, like in the Santan, and you're not down in the valley, it's warmer. Uh-huh. So you don't get as much cold because the cold air sinks. And if you're on the side of the hill, they might, you know, in the pistachio, I've, I've seen them stay evergreen even sometimes. So oh, really? when you're up on the side of a hill, that's going to control it. But typically with ash and pistachio, most those are going to change color and drop their foliage. And that's usually going to happen the second week or so of January. Oh, because I was noticing down in town, most of them are turning yellow now. Well, and that's because they're colder than you are. Oh, okay. So, so when, we're all when you're up on it. a hillside, you're warmer. And it makes, you know, you can be 8 to 10 degrees warmer. Well, that's good news. <laughs> well, it's really good for your okay. morning tree. <laughs> it it yeah, would be fantastic true. if you had a ficus. So, yeah, it can work that okay. way. Okay. All righty, then. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you, Sandra. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we got Bobby in Phoenix. Hello, Bobby. Hello. Thank you for doing the rain dance. I know you scared a lot of people doing it, but by golly, you brought the rain. <laughs> I, w- okay, I, wish I, I wish I had that ability, Bobby. That would, that would well, be Well, wishes can become horses, you know. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I've got sweet pea seeds, and I'm itching to get outside with a garbage bag over my head so I can plant some seeds while it's raining, you know, drizzling. With the sugar snap peas, can I plant them now and just take my chances? And green beans, take my chances. Well, normally you're going to plant all those in the spring. So you, you can try oh, to... Is it just the spring? No, I don't think so, Bobby. I think it's going to get colder before it gets warmer. Okay. You know, most of those you would be planting in the middle of, uh, you know, February or so. Okay, I will calm the impulse and not do that and just come down to your place and spend money on for some already growing plants. Boy, you really set us up, don't you, as buyers? Well, we have to have fun. We have to really enjoy what we do. And I do, too. Okay. (laughs) And hopefully plants can bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. Bobby, thanks for the call and have a good day. Bye-bye. I choose to. Bye. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we've got Tom and Gilbert. Hello, Thomas. Good morning. Morning. Beautiful day out there. It really is. Hey, I got a grapefruit tree and a uh, lemon tree. And I use soaker hoses to water them. Should I run that up or against the, the trunk and then run it all the way out, or should I keep it out to the outside to where the uh, outer roots are? Well, here's the thing, Tom, is that you know our water has salt in it, you know, and especially in the summertime, we're using a lot more well water. And in, in Gilbert, we have very heavy clay soil. So what we want to do is we put our water on, we want to push the salt away from the tree. So from that standpoint, you're better off to water closer to the tree with your soaker hose. You know, so say okay. if your tree's got a 12 foot diameter on it, okay, I would have the soaker yeah. hose. And it's kind of how we do our drip irrigation on our grove down in Hyder is we have our emitters about 18 inches away from the trunk, or you could go about 18 inches away from the trunk of that tree with your soaker hose. And what you want to do is you want to run that hose long enough so that the water pushes out to the drip line of the tree, but starting from the center and pushing out to the outside. And the reason that that's important is because as the water moves or subs through the soil, so does the salt. And that way you're pushing the salt away from your tree when you water, and uh, it's, it's healthier and better for the tree to do so. 
Okay, because I usually run it 24 hours. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the perfect way to do it. And, you know, in Gilbert, you don't have to do it very often because you do have heavier clay soil. Okay. And also, I got a Hey, Tom, I got a hard break. I got to let you go. Okay. I, I can probably take you one. after the break, but we got we to do the news. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, you can give us a call at 602-277-5827.